Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to this post-Christmas 2021 Rural Routes. We gather every day at this time, Monday through Friday anyway, and what we do when we gather is continue to sit around the campfire and address the issues between rural and urban America. I think we've about got them all fixed, so we just tune in to Hank Vogler to see what the latest in North Spring Valley is. Christmas good? Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Eguno. Como talevo? I'm offended. I don't understand what you just said to me. Eguno is Basper. Good morning. Yeah. Como talevo? How are you in French? Buenos dias would be Spanish. Guten Morgen would be German. Mm-hmm. Sasha Howe would be Chinese. Uh, we got snow, so we're kind of a happy bunch of campers around here. I see my buddies in North Dakota are dealing with uh, about 20 below wind chill today. Oh, boy. Yeah. But we we're need the moisture. We're snow again. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Oh. Take it as it comes. It's not the first time it's 20 below zero in no. the Dakotas. Eh? No, no, it isn't. So you you did get some moisture? Yeah, you know, the tops of the mountains have got a little bit. We got a little bit down here in the bottom. A lot of wind pushed it around, which is good for me because it pushes it in all the draws and little low spots. So even if it does have a warm-up, uh, the snow will last twice as long. Uh, for the sheep to water. So, yeah, it's a good mask for a better deal. Brush is sticking out of the snow. You betcha. So, so from the Sierra Nevadas through a lot of the northern territory, uh, I'm seeing that there's massive snow in roads shut down and things taking place. Is, is the worm turned on moisture? Uh certainly looks better than it did for the last couple of years. There's no question about it. And being 130% in December, I think the big snowy month is like February. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, being 140% now, if the, if it, the moisture shuts off, you know, it goes downhill pretty fast. Plus, it, the thing that nobody wants to talk about with drought, is uh, we've been in an extreme drought, I believe, for over 18 months, yeah. which is the highest rating NOAA gives you. And the ground is just powdered dry. You cannot dig deep enough with the backhoe to find moisture. Uh, so, you know, that it's it, whatever has fallen, it's going to take 150, 200% of normal to get back to whatever somebody wants to call normal, if there is such a thing. But yeah, it's it. We're way better off than we've been for several years. But it it's still, you know, be careful. <laughs> well, here's the thing about a drought. I remember when my buddy Greg Dowd went to Australia, the very first time he went before I went ever, and he came back and he said, "Oh, Trent, Australia is dealing with a seven-year drought," and I said, "Greg." How how long do you deal with what you call a drought before you recognize it's the new cycle? <laughs> so really, a drought is when we assess there's not as much moisture as we think there should be, not necessarily what Mother Nature wants to provide. I think they call it, they, they have a, like a 20-year chart 
the average for the last 20 years, and that's what they base it on. Yeah. Yeah, if if you have uh, a series of storms, there's people that say we're actually in the 30 years of drought as far as the precipitation keeps dribbling down, you know. And then here it's exasperated by the fact that over the years we've put out fires to the point where the pinyon and juniper have soaked up some of the aquifers, so uh, creeks and streams and all these kind of things. It's uh, just are not putting out the water that they did at one time. So, because yeah, it, I think you know, I think that was the, your understatement of the century, though, when you said that pinion and juniper are soaking up some of the water or soaking up most of the water. Yeah, once the canopy reaches fifty percent, that water that falls on those acres does not enter the aquifer. And if you start looking around here. There's thousands and thousands of acres that have been taken up. You know, I mean, it won't. There's no perfect cure for anything, but mm-hmm. the same issue is along the Colorado River that they're all. You know, every other week we have a big deal about uh, it drying up and uh, water going down. They always show the big bathtub ring on Lake Mead and all those things, but they quit logging in Arizona, Colorado, all these places, and uh, all sorts of things have absorbed a lot of the water off of the, a lot of acres. You know, it doesn't mean you got to clear-cut everything and take it down to the nub, but uh, there has to be some balance to that. Then when you take the tamarisk that's grown along the creeks and, and, and the Colorado itself, all these things are changes that that uh, whether we like them or not, they're here. And, of course, now with NEPA and all of those things, you're never going to get them changed, I guess. So they're going to burn. And when they burn, they're not very nice when the whole hillside slides off. So, But, Hank, that's the real issue is that we want to look at everything in a 20-, 30-year climate history when, in fact, you need to look at a 400-year climate history. If you look at the high plains desert it is a desert and it's a desert for a reason look how that san joaquin valley the most fertile valley in the world was formed that was some pretty serious mudslides involved in that oh boy and all that good fertile soil drill rolled down there and now with the competition for the cities there's so many thousands of acres that are being idled and the water is being sold to the cities and just to add insult to injury, I just got a letter yesterday, or it was on my desk yesterday, uh, that uh, they're doubling the wages on sheep herders, and all of a sudden, after eight hours, you got to pay them overtime. <coughs> and so they hit overtime, and being they're staying in the camps, you're supposed to pay them for 24 hours. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, I. <laughs> I've had a call from California. A guy wanted to get out of California was to buy my outfit. But I started looking at it. I don't know if I can afford the new blue book on sheep herders and the new parameters and the new we're going to have to put whoa, whoa, in whoa, 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 whoa. the bunkhouse. We're going to have to put in a time, time threw, clock. You threw something in the middle there that just kind of in passing. Somebody called and wanted to buy your outfit. They're from California. They want to get out of California because of the the new extremes that uh, the California Labor Department has put on all agriculture labor. Yeah, you know, 
they're going to drive out their industry, agriculture, out of California, mm-hmm. it looks like to me. I, I don't well, know. They've been working at that for as long as I've been going to California. But uh, it's somebody. Well, they're going to accelerate it. Somebody pretty optimistic that wants to buy your outfit. Well, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It just. Uh, anyhow. And you told him you, you're not going to uh, sell it because you wouldn't know what to do. Pretty much basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the captain goes down with the ship, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. But if we got to put a time clock, a wage time clock in the bunkhouse, and anything over eight hours, they get time and a half, and then anything over so many hours of that, they get double time. And uh, there's even a lawsuit in the state of Nevada by a runaway Peruvian that uh, we may have to pay. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I don't mind paying somebody if they're doing a good job. Uh, but at some point in time, when you triple your cost of labor and just the, the price of your product has not tripled, your cost of doing business with gas, with everything that's going up exponentially now, uh, you got to look at your whole card pretty hard. Yeah. Well, no doubt about it. You ever had somebody call and ask you to buy your outfit? First time ever. Hmm. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I got to take a break. We'll be back with more Roll Route Tank Bogler after this. And now we talk about immune health. We talk about health in general. The world's authority on nitric oxide production, Dr. Nathan Bryan, explains. We've got about 14 COVID clinics around the U.S. where we have a a nitric oxide drug trial going on. I'm exposed to COVID probably every day. You know, pre-COVID, we as humans are exposed to viruses and bacteria every day of our life. That's just the world we live in. Some people get sick, some people don't. Why do some people get sick and why do others not? It all boils down to their ability to generate nitric oxide and to have certain things replete in their body like vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, selenium. If you're nutrient deficient, you're going to get sick. If you can't make nitric oxide, you're going to get sick. If you do all these things, you can be exposed to, to COVID or any other virus, and your immune system nips it in the bud, and you don't get sick from it. It's really that simple. For full details about the science and to place an order, go to no2u.com. That's no, number two, letter U, dot com. Put Trent. Trent is your coupon code. That gets you a 10% discount plus free shipping. no2u.com. Trent, coupon code. Welcome back. We're all route. Trent Loose alongside with Hank and the dogs. What's going on outside, Hank? Well, it's uh, the dogs have been in the office asleep all night because it's fairly cold. Actually, not very cold for this time of the year, so maybe we're having global warming. I don't know, or global cooling, or uh, the inconsistent truth that by Spotted Al Gore. I don't know what we're having, but we're having it, and I don't mind it. Uh, you know, uh, when it gets down to 20, 30 below zero, the animals do not do well. So 22 degrees is nice. Is that where you are now? 22 degrees, yes. Hmm. Well, that's not cold at all. No. Well, there's a storm supposed to be coming in. It's supposed to snow this afternoon. Mm-hmm. 
So that keeps it warmer. But you know, and and, and again, no complaints. We're uh, one to three inches. Well, one to three inches today, maybe, or one inch, or whatever we get, and you get that three or four times, and then it packs in. It lasts a long time. I think that the annual moisture rate here is only about eight inches in the valleys. It's different. <laughs> so we've been talking about this labor thing for a long time, but the, we're yet to see anything close to looking for a solution. Well, it's an odd thing. I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats or what flavor they are. You say environment, and they all hide under their desk because the talking points that the left has come up with are so well rehearsed. Oh, you want dirty air? You want dirty water? You want people to die of inhaling nasty smoke? You want all these chemicals to kill everybody? On and on and on. So nobody wants to say anything about the environment, even though the Endangered Species Act NEPA and all these processes have been laying there for 30 or 40 years, and nobody has bothered to clean them up. And it's the same way with labor. Oh, you want to have slaves? What? We, these poor people have got to have a living wage. Well, what is a living wage when you live in a mud hut in Peru? I've got several of them send me pictures of their hovels that they live in down there. They come up here. The money's no good in the United States. That money's great as a store of wealth in Peru, you know, and and they're doing a job, yes, that nobody wants to do. But at the end of the day, my men and myself and everybody, the banker, we're all rolled into one giant ball, and that is at the end of the day, we got to squirt out a little profit or, you know, uh, snowballs roll downhill. So we're all tied together. And so when all of a sudden, complete arbitrarily and capriciously, somebody says, well, we're just going to double these guys' wages. And, it, and it's it, it's hateful. But if you're a politician, how are you going to fight that Department of Labor? <gasps> it, it, it has outlived its usefulness also. So again... It's, it's, it's pervasive through the whole system. You cannot go in in Long Beach and get a box container off a ship unless you're a union guy. You drive it outside and the guy that you offload onto, he can't do anything unless his truck was built newer than 2017. So when you throw in all the rules and regulations, why aren't the New York ports why aren't the Texas ports, the Florida ports? There's more ports than Long Beach. Why are they all backed up there? Rules and regulations that are all put out by, you know, basically socialism. Have they, they, they have lost their usefulness. We do not have slave sweatshops anymore. All right, so well, you you, a, you caused me to go look at how long that this has been in existence. What year was the Department of Labor put into existence? Oh gosh, I imagine though, quite a while ago, I, probably the turn of the century. Yeah, you were a kid. The Organic Act establishing the Department of Labor was signed on March the fourth, nineteen thirteen, by 
a reluctant William Taft, William Howard Taft, the defeated and the departing incumbent, just hours before Woodrow Wilson took office, the Federal Department of Labor was created as a product of half-century campaign organized by the organized labor movement for a voice in the cabinet, an indirect product of the, excuse me, of the progressive movement. In the words of the Organic Act, the department's purpose is to foster, promote, and develop the welfare of working people to improve their working conditions and to enhance their opportunities for a profitable employment. And if all of that okay. leads to no profit for the employer, there will be no employment. That I added that part. That was a cliff note. That was not part of the Organic Act of 1930. <laughs> well, and and it's going to be, you know, eventually... It, those things are going to happen, mm-hmm. you know. What you know? What? Just think about the fact. What, you know, people that were making whether it was Nike tennis shoes, Apple computers, or or whatever, and these rules, these regulations, these heaped and heaped and heaped and heaped. They look around. Their profit margin goes out the window. They cannot produce a product that people want without skyrocketing the price. So they, you know, and it, no, it's no perfect world. But all of a sudden, they start making things in China, in Bangladesh. Look at what we did with the car industry. They went to Japan look, and Germany, and, and we, we sent optics and lots of things overseas. Uh, Vietnam is now uh, a place to do business. All of these things, capital is movable. It's mobile. And when when the profit margin shrinks to the point where, because you have hiccups, but your product may not sell at, a, at an annual increase. It, it, it has some uh, valleys, some, some peaks and valleys. And so you try and find some sort of a balance. Our man Trump says, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to lower the cost of doing business in the United States. But that took away money from the government. We can't not all work for the government. And, and whoever came up with that concept, the government can give you nothing without first taking it from somebody else. I, if I'm being audited by the Department of Labor. I don't know if it's a disgruntled employee or somebody with his vindictive. I, the last time I passed, Never got fined a penny. Well, who knows what's going to happen? All these rules and regulations have changed in the last five years. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And it's it's, it's uh, frustrating. And then when you get, and it's not enforced here from, you know, here's the, in 2019 in California, total wages for the month were 29.52.64. In 2022, they're going to be four thousand three hundred eighty-one dollars. That's a pretty good bump. And if you've got very many people working for you, uh, wow! It t- it takes the fun out of being close. It goes up pretty fast. Well, just use your personal experience. How many people do you have working for you compared to what you did before they started demanding what you pay these people? Yeah, I have fewer people, and and my cost of labor has mm-hmm. almost doubled. Yeah. Right. And, and so who benefited so, from that? Thank God we did have... The people you yeah. no longer employ so, don't benefit. 
Nope. Nope. <laughs> so one thing about it, you know, and and the hypocrisy. What are the people? Are are we going to pay these million and some people that walked across the border forever, mm-hmm. or are they eventually going to have to go out and look for a job? Uh, where are they? There's nobody banging on my door uh, of any stripe that wants to go to work. Uh, so the dairies steal my men. And and I'm sorry, it's agriculture. And uh, maybe one shouldn't make such comments, but it's true. And what do the dairy people say? you got to be out of your mind to jump through all those hoops to go through that H-2A program. Yeah. You're nuts. So, I mean, so, so they're causing, the Department of Labor is causing cannibalism. And then you talk about mm-hmm. a bad deal for the person. If he goes back to Peru to see his family, he's done. They won't let him come back. Oh, by the way, now, if Cousin Leroy runs off, then everybody in his family gets a black ball. And they can't come up. So I've got three brothers here. One of them ran off. Well, that means the other two, when they complete their contracts, they may not be able to come back. So, you know, they're penalized for for the yeah. indiscretion of their brother. They're just looking for an excuse to say you on. can't I mean, employ them. That's just... what it boils down to. I've got an excuse that I need to talk over you, and that is called telling you about the Protect the Harvest, making sure that you know about every right that you have as an employer, as an animal owner, as a property owner. It's all about the repository of information, making you more informed, giving you the opportunity to be more informed. It's up to you to step up to the plate. ProtectTheHarvest.com. We're back with the second half of Roll Route post-Christmas after this. Welcome back. Roll Route, Trent Luce alongside Hank Vogler. Uh, we really screwed up <clears throat> at Christmas, Hank. We were, even yesterday, it was still 50 degrees. There was a brisk wind, but we wow. had Friday, Christmas Eve, and Saturday, 60 degrees. It was uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas night. It was calm, and Kelly said we need to get some wood in that fire pit and cook something, and invite some friends over. We did not. We were with her dad, who's still recovering from a pickup accident. But I should have, I'm, I'm just telling you that my heart wanted to cook some lamb on the fire Christmas night, and I did not do it. But I'm going to get some lamb out and cook it this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Did you have lamb? I, <laughs> yeah, you better bet you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does a bear do it in the woods? If you <laughs> If you will give me one minute, I will tell you something that I guess at some point in time I am the eternal optimist. And I guess I have to be. I mean, I don't think you could survive in, in this day and time without having some optimism. My wife goes and sings at parties. And we went to one New Year's Eve. Or not New Year's, Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And I parked my Ford way in the back, kind of felt kind of intimidated. <laughs> there were rolls. You're Rolls-Royce. leaving room for the electric cars or what? <laughs> no, no, these were Rolls Royce. Oh, my. The other end of the spectrum. Okay. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And anyhow, uh, they had a nice dinner and everything, and, and uh, uh, I'd met several of these people before. And anyhow, before Way started singing, they sang uh, Silent Night in Chinese. And uh, anyhow, then this guy gets up, and I never, ever heard this ever. He said it in English. And I don't know if it's for my benefit or, or, or what, but he said it in Chinese and English. Very upset. These people were Christians. And Ching Jinping in the old country has said, you cannot go and worship because of the COVID. Now, I thought they had the COVID under control for one thing. That was kind of odd. But anyhow, religion, it seems to be a very, 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 very bad thing for communism. Mm -hmm. uh, the central government is supposed to control your entire life and do everything for you. And you're supposed to, your, your religion basically is the central government, which is pretty scary. But this guy gets up and there was no discussion. Then he sings the Star Spangled Banner. Really? Now, it wasn't as nice as it was for the NFR and those ladies and people that sang it there, but he muddled through it. Nobody nobody made him do that. You know, it wasn't on any kind of, it was from that man's heart. And then he kind of went into a diatribe about how great America was. And and how they could practice their religion. So, and then he the, said the Lord's prayer. Okay, we'll come back with the Lord's prayer. What you left out, and I'm assuming that I'm putting together through all of this, these are all Chinese origin folks. There was myself and two other gentlemen there that were uh, uh, Americans. Okay, but the the place was filled with. With people from China. All right. So there's, they're not all having a loyalty. I guess what I'm saying is that they don't all have a loyalty to Xi Jinping. But I've never, ever seen these people, anybody, mm -hmm. have anything to say about politics. But all of a sudden, you know, uh, a person of color walked into a Chinese restaurant, I guess, and, and shot it up. Fortunately, he didn't kill anybody. Uh, right in, in, in my wife's uh, security guard, everything, uh, uh, a person of color grabbed a Chinese woman on the street and beat her senseless. I mean, all kinds of weird crap is happening. And, and I, I think we're having a paradigm shift in this country that people have woke up to wokeness or whatever that crap is. And, and I have optimism that we, we have a chance. If we can survive the next little bit here, there's going to be a chance for all of us, once again, to have America back. And that's my Christmas present to everybody out there that bothered to listen to it, is keep the faith. Keep the faith. 
keep the faith, but in no part of the faith does it say just sit back and let these things happen in front of you. It says be an advocate. It says be a missionary. Be be someone who is a change agent. We have to accept the challenge to keep to to make sure that America comes back, not just expect it's going to take place. Trip, read the Bible. It reads like a war novel. Mm-hmm. There's always been evil in the world, always. But the thing that is so disappointing, so disheartening, and so wrong is when nobody stands up to evil and lets it happen so they don't get... Nobody wants to get involved. That's the problem. And maybe it takes the horrific crap that's going on now to finally wake up enough people to say no more and maybe and and maybe that's the paradigm shift that I'm hoping for but the, you know for new year's resolution you have to get involved like it or not the people that founded this country staked their fortunes and a lot of them were very wealthy men staked their fortunes and farmers and everybody stepped up and said enough is enough and what that magic push was, was it the price of tea? Was it the fact that the British troops could move into your house and move you out? Was it the fact that this government way, way, way far away did not know what the people needed or wanted? Hmm, does that sound familiar, Nancy Pelosi? I mean, all of these things. Maybe, just one time, maybe we've crossed that threshold of, We've got to have people that step up to evil. There's always been evil, but you've got to step up. Well, I'm going to just bring it up close and personal because um, there are many people throughout the course of this country that have been persecuted, that have been wrongfully imprisoned, have been killed, and nobody pays attention. Consequently, it, it gets no attention whatsoever, and the wrong continues to be perpetrated. When Dwight, I remember the day when you on this program said, Trent, we got something happening that we need to pay attention to. My friends, Dwight and Stephen Hammond are going to be retried or resentenced, not retried, resentenced for something they already served their time for. And because you were resilient and continued to bring that to the forefront, there was a lot of pain and there was death in the process. But the correction came to those two individuals because you personally were willing to stand up and continue to bring that message to us until it captured the attention of the nation. It all starts with one person standing up. Well, you get the Western Livestock Journal, their front page news. They said that they didn't do properly when they turned those permits back over to the Hammond. Now Hammond family, now they're, uh, putting them up for bid, and, and, and they're going through an a environmental impact statement and a whole bunch of stuff, just dragging them through some more crap. No, none of that's about being lawful. None of that's about being any different than what you're talking about every single Monday with the Department of Labor trying to free those individuals who work for you. We, we continue to give people an incentive to come to this country without any incentive or expectation that they're going to work. The fact that you're bringing people in legally and employing them is no different, and continually being a target, is no different than every permit holder. Why do you have to have a permit to live in the United States? 
whether you're grazing federal land or putting a deck on your porch. Why? Why do you need to get permission? I thought we lived in a free country. Isn't that why we well, sing the Star Spangled Banner? Those, all those things, all those things uh, are the incrementalism. And it's uh, it's just basic, basic, basic that, that once you start a department, name a department that they've ever gotten rid of. Uh, Richard Nixon, I'll never forget. He was going to get rid of the tea tasters, which was a kind of a, a tax put on tea back from day one. That they, it had to go through this commission, and I don't know that he ever got rid of it, or if he did it, it, it was well after his time in office. One little tiny commission. Name a commission. Name anything that the government has done that has gotten smaller, you know, the less intrusive. They have to justify their jobs. So justifying their jobs means they have to come up with more onerous rules and regulations. They've got to hire more people. So you may start out at a, what, a GS-7, and you want to be a GS-14 or something when you retire. So you just, you oh, we got to have more. Go into a government office and t- ask about a problem that you're having, and the first thing they'll say is, you know, if we had some more money and some more people, we could handle that. But right now, we just can't touch it. Yeah, I don't know Excuse how many me, times. I got a golf day. <laughs> in 2021, you know, the the one topic that was on my mind that I most often spoke of and, and made sure every person I was in contact with understood was the challenge in 30 by 30, a Biden initiative to take land away from us. And every single time, no matter what the case, when I heard somebody talk about uh, this program, that program, they always included, to your point, if we could just be fully funded, we can make this program work for the people. We just need to be fully funded. Everybody shows up with their hand out saying, if you give me more money, we'll make this program good for the people. I want you to put your hand back in your pocket and go get a real job and stop trying to be fully funded because you're fully funded is is taxing me to death. Roll out. We've got one segment no. left. I want to remind you before we come back with Hank Vogler, Piedmontese could be in your future if you would like to get paid properly for the quality of beef that you produce. Sired by Piedmontese sires, the certified Piedmontese beef consistently gets the consumer time and time again because it is tender. That's the bottom line. What makes the difference? It's all about the tenderness. It's not about the marbling. That's not an anti-marbling statement. It's just that the tenderness is the primary driver and performance of the consumer's preferences and Lone Creek Cattle Company has established a system to pay you, the producer, correctly. Details for your premium of $180 over market can be found at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. We're back with the last segment of Roll Route after this. <laughs> Welcome back. Roll Route, Trent Lewis alongside Hank Vogler with a little Piedmontese envy there during the break. So... Uh, Oh, oh a little jocular trade-off. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you just said something during the break that I wanted to clarify, because I've heard this from uh, Montana as well, that when you are in a multi-owner grazing allotment, which you have one of those in north, I think it's north central, maybe northeast Nevada, they, they're as permitted 
speaking of control, you have to have one breed or another. You can't just put Belgian blues out there if you want to. Bulls, right. bulls. And and there's there's some merit to that. You know, it's not just uh discrimination against some of the breeds, but there are issues, you know, the the fences aren't always the best. The heifers go on the river and we've had rather large framed even Hereford bulls, pulled Hereford bulls that have uh broke through the fence and bred some heifers and broke them completely down, broke their legs because they were such a such large terminal breed. So uh which <laughs> that's a, an amazing thing. Uh over the years we've done that. Uh, I always am amazed when I see some old book about 4-H or FFA and these kids are 12, 13 years old and they tower over their steers. <laughs> and now the, the kid, the kid looks like an ant <laughs> standing yeah. next to an elephant. Well, so we've, we've we don't need those belt buckle cattle anymore. I'm not so sure. <laughs> there you go. So I, you know, uh, is this a hundred percent better? Uh, yeah, we're producing with fewer cattle, more pounds of, uh, of meat, but, but we're doing that with chickens and hogs and everything else. How, how long? How old's a hog when he's ready to go to town weighing two hundred and fifty pounds? Two fifty. Is he you're just six getting, eight you're months just, old? You're just getting started. We don't go unless they weigh three hundred anymore. Um, are, and how old are they? Well. Ours are at, at best seven months. They're, we average right at seven months. I mean, people want to tell you they get there in 150 days, but in our environment, we we farrow inside, we nursery inside, then we go out to the old school dirt fe- feeding lots, and they grow at a pretty good rate. And I select for high growth rate, but to be honest, we sell some at six months, some at eight, so we average seven. At 300 pounds. Uh-huh. There's a different tank between 250 and 300. Uh-huh. 25 oh days. 25 days yeah, to be exact. pounds for starters. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're doing well, those, those pigs at that age are putting on two pounds a day. So that's 25 days. That's nearly a month just because of the extra weight. Which allows you to now go down this rant about, there's the problem. We got too much weight on these animals. Well, I disagree on that particular respect. Well, if the animal. Yep. Is, I agree with uh, what you're about to say. But, but like, yeah, but my animals that are adapted to this environment, uh, making that lamb weigh 180 pounds, uh, it doesn't even look like a lamb. It looks like a lard ball when they pull the hide off of it. Yeah. See, that's so, exactly I mean, the difference. limitations. If you are at, yeah. you know what, to be honest, we go to 300 because the market that we go into, which is pretty much direct to the consumer, they care about what it tastes like. And we figured out that if you sell pigs at 250 pounds, they don't have enough fat, period, to have that enjoyable eating experience. Our pigs at 300 pounds are still effective. They're efficient. They grow well. And they have about the right amount of fat per muscle to have the best eating experience. That's what drives us. The lamb situation has been totally different. They're just putting on, what do you call, you don't call it lard or beef tallow. You call it lamb tallow? I, I guess it would be. It's just, uh, 
you know, the larger frame suffix, different breeds, yeah, they can stand that uh, fat to lean mm. ratio at the higher weights. But here, where it's dual purpose, you cannot bring 200-pound ewes here that I've ever seen. Now, maybe there's one out there. They don't go home. They do not make it on this desert very long. And and there has to be a happy medium. No, we don't need the old Chabots and the old Shropshires and little bench-legged things like they used to have. And, and uh, tiny sheep where you weighed 110 pounds, but there has to be a happy medium. And 150, 160-pound you out here has a pretty good survivability. And it's the same way in Australia and New Zealand. And they have a good ratio of lean to fat. And, and, and it's juicy. I, I hate to say it, but uh, there's nothing wrong with Australian lamb or New Zealand lamb. I, uh, you know, uh, we've become, our, in a way, our own worst enemies. Uh, uh, why, why is only a half a percent of the people still involved in this? Are there that many people that hated working on the farm that walked off of it? And, and no matter how efficient you get when your government is against you, when every rule and every regulation comes down on your head and you have to tap dance around it, you have to figure out some way to survive. And the ultimate acid test is when that banker comes out and says, Mr. Roger, uh, we'd kind of like you to catch up on the interest and maybe a little principal. Because if you don't, uh, we're going to put you in special accounts, and special accounts is a wonderful place to be because first thing they do is they raise the interest rate, which makes no sense at all, and then they phase you out if you can't not get it corrected. So, hey, when a, you're in special accounts, the, the positive side is you get to visit with your lender more often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you can't make him smile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I made mine smile last week. I gave him a check. He was pretty happy. And, and well, his exact I, I words were, well, Trent, this will get you till next year. <laughs> like next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he's sitting in an office and got hands like a, a piano player. <laughs> and and uh, uh, he can turn the heat up up or down or the air conditioner on and uh, go home every night and sleep like a baby and you're you're pushing all the all the log chains straight up a hill and and then he wants to give you advice the best thing you can do with the banker is go in and ask him what you ought to do and if they say do it don't mm -hmm. if they say don't do it do it mm -hmm. they can loan more money on a two thousand dollar cow than they can on a thousand dollar cow and that's just the nature of the beast. You can't change it. It is it, never going to be any different. Yep, true story. It's never going to change. Quit complaining about it. Just go do it. Just go get that log chain out and start pushing. Yeah, that's about all you can do. But again, the ship always gets righted by business. And I think when business cannot function, Mm-hmm. The government does not get revenue. I mean, it, it is a statistic, a statistic, a statistic. The more you raise taxes, the more you raise rules and regulations, the less money goes to the government. So their obvious 
way to solve that is to raise taxes, which only exasperates the situation. And ever so often, whether it was John Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, or Donald Trump, somebody comes along and says, if we lower all these taxes, if we lower all these rules and regulations, we get in a more free market system, there will be more money coming into the federal revenue. Well, that's what happens. But unfortunately, we got 535 prima donnas back there, whether they're Democrat or Republican, that think, wow, we got some more money in the cookie jar. Let's spend it. Let's come up with another program. <laughs> so out the window it goes. It does not work that way. They need to be held responsible by each congressional district. And they need to be held responsible if you're a senator by the state that you're from. Not go back and get Potomac fever and lay back there to slobber at the trough and become filthy rich. So and that, that is not the way the system is supposed to work. And our forefathers warned us of this situation time and time again. And we have not listened because they throw a few coins out the window and let us pick them up while they're living in luxury and, and uh, do as I say, not as I do. So, yeah, it, it seems we've got to do something. Kiddo. It seems to me, though, Hank, that unprecedentedly we have this acceleration to decrease world population, which filters into all of this and makes it not a normal cycle. It's pretty clear that you there wanna... was a concerted effort the, the beginning of 2021 was all about, and this is not starting 2021. This started, you can find information back to 80s that 2021 is about beginning the depopulation by 30, 2030. Okay, you want to depopulate the earth? Let people have freedom to choose. It is a statistic when people's income rises, when their position in life raises. Fewer children are born. They have more consumer goods. They build nicer houses. They eat better, do everything, but they also have fewer children. That makes a heck of a lot more sense mm -hmm. than starving them to death, genocide, or or coming up with something in the Wuhan lab. I, I saw a pretty legitimate report Capitalism. that talked about there was an effort to figure out how to mimic the 1918 Spanish flu, which took 440 million lives globally in 1918. And it would be released in 2020. Lo and behold, look what happened. Well, anyhow, it's just, uh, like I say, the world has always had evil in it. But when you duck your head and do not address it, then that's the problem, not yep. the fact that there's evil people out there. That'll be the final word of the day. My thanks to Hank Vogler, as always, for the last time in 2021. Oh, my goodness, I think we were supposed to talk about the top ag news stories of the year. We can do that next week with Hank. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. That's the good news. He's here every Monday, whether you like it or not. Be gentle, stay firm. All roads do lead to a roll route. I want to remind you that we have the Loose Tails swag. Who called it that? What exactly does that mean? Well, I can tell you what it means at my place. We have some amazing coffee cups. They're just the right size. They're good enough to hold a good portion, but not big enough that it gets cold before you finish it.
It's the perfect size. And the loose tails caps. I like the khaki caps, to be honest. If you're interested in anything that says loose tails, call me or send me an email. We'll be glad to make it happen. Loose tails, coffee mugs, or caps. Get a hold of me, Trent Loose at gmail.com.